the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is, Don't Waste the Marvelous Life God Has Given You. Don't Waste the Marvelous Life God Has Given You. Some of you may have seen the bumper sticker which says, Life is too precious to waste. The question is, how do you avoid wasting your life? Well, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, where the Apostle Paul writes, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So Paul is saying, be careful how you live. The opposite of careful is careless. So he's saying, don't be careless in living your life. A literal translation of the Greek would be, don't stumble through life. Don't just drift through life. Think it through. Know what you're here for. Know your purpose. And Paul goes on to say, make the most of every opportunity. Be wise. Try to understand what God wants you to do. How many of you here today would really like to know what God wants you to do with your life. I think most of us would like to know. There are three important questions I want us to look at today. And the first is, what does God want from my life? When I read the Bible, there is no mistaking the answer to the question. What does God want for my life? God wants my entire life. There is not a single verse in the Bible that says you can be a Christian and live your life any way you want to. God doesn't want 10% of your life. He doesn't want 50%. He doesn't want 99%. He wants 100%. He wants all of you. God is very clear about this. The Apostle Paul writing in Romans chapter 6, verses 12 and 13 says, So do not let sin control your life here on earth, 
so that you do what your sinful self wants to do. Instead, offer yourselves to God as people who have died and now live. Offer the parts of your body to God to be used in doing good. The British author C.S. Lewis once said, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. See, God requires all or nothing from us. There are a lot of people who try to sit on the fence. They give God a bare minimum of their lives. They go to church when times are normal, when it is convenient for them. They read the Bible and pray when it is convenient. They put an offering in the collection plate when they feel like it. They never volunteer to serve in a ministry to help someone else. And they are the first to say, I don't know what God wants me to do. God is clear about what he wants from us. In Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12, Moses told the children of Israel, he says, no, Israel, this is what the Lord your God wants you to do. Respect the Lord your God and do what he has told you to do. Love him. Serve the Lord your God with your whole being. There's nothing in this text which suggests that we can serve God in our spare time. Some of us view our life like a pie, divided into several pieces. So we have our social life, we have our uh, career, we have our family life, we have our retirement, and we have our spiritual life, as if our spiritual life is one part of the pie. Wrong. God wants the whole pie to be under his control. He doesn't want 10% of our life. He wants all of it. He wants our whole being. Now there is a myth that says you can do it all, you can have it all, but you can't. You have to give it all to God. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is saying that it is impossible to have two number one priorities in your life. You'll have a number one and everything else is going to be number two, number three, and so forth. But there are a lot of things beside money that can push God out of first place in our life. Work can push God out of first place. Sports, hobbies can push God out of first place in our life. Dating can push God out of first place. Even your family can push God out of first place in your life. And Jesus is saying, you can't serve God and something else at the same time, in the same way. So the question here is, what's going to be first place in your life? Is the number one goal of your life building your career? Is it raising your family? 
Is it saving for retirement? Is it maintaining good health? You see, all of these things are good. God approves every one of these things except in first place. God says, you will have no other gods before me. And whatever is in first place in your life is your God. And any time you have something in your life that's number one, that's not God, the Bible calls that idolatry. That's an idol. And so God says, that's wrong. He says, I want to be number one in your life before everything else. And I'll bring it all back into focus in the right way. I'll put it all together. One time Jesus told a story about this. Actually, it wasn't a story. It was an event that happened in his life. He was walking down the streets of Jerusalem, and a man walked up, and Jesus said, Follow me. And the man said, Okay, I will follow you, but Lord, let me first go take care of some things that I've got to take care of. Now, that little phrase, Lord, let me first, is a contradiction. You can't say Lord and me first at the same time. If you are saying me first, then he is not your Lord. He's not in charge. He's not number one. So you have to decide who is going to be the Lord of your life, you or God. Is it going to be God first or me first? Let me ask you a very personal question. Where are you saying to God, me first? Where are you saying, God, I live for you, but let me first find somebody to marry? Or God, I live for you, but let me first finish my education? God, I really want to serve you, but let me get the kids out of the house first? Or God, I'm really going to be on fire for you, but let me first achieve financial independence. Or Lord, let me first pay off my mortgage. Let me first build my career. And God says, if I'm not first, none of this is going to be in the right perspective. Jesus told the story of the, of the great feast in Luke chapter 14, 16 through 20. Jesus said, there was once a man who was giving a great feast to which he invited many people. When it was time for the feast, he sent his servant to tell his guests, come, everything is ready. But they all began one after another to make excuses. The first one told the servant, I have bought a field and must go and look at it. Please accept my apologies. Another one said, I have bought five pairs of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please accept my apologies. Another one said, I've just got married. And for that reason, I cannot come. See, think about, think about it. These three people receive the honor of being in the presence of um, others' translations said the king. They 
were invited to a banquet, imagine, and they made excuses. The first used his, his wealth as an excuse. The second one uses his work as an excuse. And the third guy uses his wife as an excuse. So here is my question to you. What excuses are you giving to God for putting yourself first? Let me first do this, and I'll be all yours. You see, if you would put God first in your life, he will take care of everything else. Six to three years ago, I decided I would put God first in my life and took Matthew chapter 6, 33 as my life verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added unto you. And God has been faithful over these years and has given me everything I ever wanted and much more than I even imagined. You see, God is a good God a faithful God, a promise-keeping God. And the first question of life is, what does God want from my life? He wants all of you. He wants all of it. Anytime you sit on the fence, you lose. But the second question is, what does it take? What does it take to not waste my life? What does it take to become all that God wants me to be? What does it take to develop myself to my fullest potential? Well, it can be answered in one word, a word we don't necessarily like, and the word is discipline. You see, you can't be a disciple of Christ without discipline. So what is discipline? Discipline is delayed gratification. Discipline is doing the difficult things now in order to enjoy the benefits later. Every successful student, every successful athlete, every successful corporate executive, or anyone who makes it to the top of the ladder in any area understands the meaning of discipline. It is something that is sometimes difficult, but um, those of us who have spent many years studying uh, realize that um, it took discipline, that you could be sidetracked to do all other things. And I have seen students, uh, even fellow students during my time, who um, did not have the discipline to complete the, the work that they needed to complete in order to get to their degree. You see, you don't get anywhere in life without discipline. That is delayed gratification. You do the work now, you spend all the time that you need, give up the parties, give up the fun things, in order that you might complete what you're doing so that you can enjoy the benefits of the work that you have done and the sacrifice that you've made. But all of us are disciplined in some area. The things that are important to you, you get done. 
Some of you wouldn't think of missing your favorite TV show or your favorite sports team game. Some of you are very disciplined in your physical workouts. You get up early, you go jogging, uh, you do your daily exercises, or you go to the gym because you want to be fit physically. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 7 and 8. Paul says, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So what if you were as disciplined in having your daily appointment with God as you are in never missing a meal? What if you were as disciplined in serving others as you are in getting up and going to work? What if you were as disciplined in worship as you are in watching that favorite television show? So there is another word for discipline, and it is the word habits. It is what you do over and over and over without ever thinking. If it's a habit, it's a part of your life, and your whole life is designed, shaped, and controlled by your habits. And if you want to change your life, all you have to do is to change your habits. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, 7, which you just read, Paul says, and this time the living Bible paraphrase, says, spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. So there are exercises we can do that will keep us spiritually fit, just as there are exercises we can do that will keep us physically fit. One is what is called the discipline of letting go. That means you let go of things because you can't keep adding things to your schedule without letting go of something else. In Hebrews uh, chapter 12 and verse 1, the author says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. You see, there are two things that hold us back, that limit our potential, that waste our life, says the text. One is sin, and the other is weights. We all know what sin is. It is breaking one of the uh, Ten Commandments of God or failing to do what we know we ought to do. But what is, what is a weight? A weight is something that is not necessarily wrong, is just not necessary. A weight can be all kinds of things. It could be a relationship, it could be an expectation, it could be an activity, it could be a memory that we refuse to let go of, it could be a fear, it could be a job. 
they are, there are a thousand different kinds of weights that we could mention. And the Bible says to grow, we must learn to say no to some things. Things which are good things, but there is not enough space in our lives uh, to do them. You can't say yes to everything. You have to say no to some things. You have to say no often to good things in order to have time for the best things. And as I get older, I find that I can say no to a lot of things and to a lot of invitations without feeling guilty. When I was younger, building my career, I would want to accept all of these um, invitations and, and um, opportunities uh, to do things. But now that I'm older, I can say no and don't have a guilty conscience. You see, you have to say no to even the good things because you cannot do it all and have it all. And one of the reasons we have a hard time letting go of activities is we tie our identity to them. But if you are serious about fulfilling your purpose in life, you have to make space for God in your life. And if you are going to make space for God in your life, you are going to have to cut some stuff out of your life. Some good stuff. Not sin, just good stuff. As many of you have too much going on in your life with the result that you have little or no time left for God. Your devotional life becomes almost non-existent. Prayer is reserved for emergency situations. And reading the Bible is eliminated from your schedule altogether. There's always a cost to putting God first in your schedule, but the rewards are worth it. The best use of your life is to invest it in that which will outlast it. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God gives us the desire, and then he gives us the willpower to do what we need to do. Sometimes you wonder how you're able to, to do it, but it is God working in you to allow you to do some of the things that you never thought you were able to do. So what does God want? He wants all of, all of you, all of us, every part of us. What is it going to take to grow spiritually? It's going to take discipline. It's going to take commitment. Is going, to, is going to take the ability to say no to some things. But thirdly, why should I do it? Why should I make the effort to grow spiritually? Why should I let go of some things to make time for God in my life? Because of the cross. Jesus gave his life for us and he expects our life in return. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, Christ died for all so that those who live would not continue to live for themselves. He died for them and was raised from the dead so that they would live for him. 
So Jesus gave his life for every one of us listening to this message today. And we who have placed our faith in, in, in Jesus Christ now enjoy the forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life. We couldn't celebrate one day uh, of purpose in our lives except for the fact that Jesus chose to leave heaven and come to earth to give his life for us. He didn't have to do that, but he did because of his incredible love for us. He did because he wants us to enjoy our life in all of its abundance. It caused Jesus to die for us, and it's going to cost us to live for him. So many people um, see Christianity as just something that you can you know, uh, accept or leave it if you, if you want to without realizing that it is something that you have to make a commitment uh, to doing if you are going to live according to what God expects of you. We would have no destiny if it weren't for the cross and we owe our life to him. Our eternal destiny matters to God. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthian Christians, says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1 in the message paraphrase, he says, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of the marvelous life God has given us. Only one life that we have to live. It will soon be over, and only what is done for Christ will last. Nothing else is going to matter, so your spiritual life is of great importance. Let me remind you, if you're a believer, of how God has blessed you. And even if you're not a believer, uh, how God has blessed you. If we are able to see with our eyes, smell with our nose, taste with our tongue, hear with our ears, think with our minds, breathe with our lungs then we are blessed indeed. If God has forgiven you of your confessed sin, then you have been blessed. If God has ever brought comfort to your heart in a time of grief and bereavement, then you have been blessed. If God has ever healed you of an illness when you thought that uh, you would never make it, then you have been blessed. If God has ever protected you in times of danger, then you have been blessed. If God has ever inspired you when facing a challenge, then you have been blessed. If God has ever lifted a burden from your shoulders, you have been blessed. If God has ever given you genuine peace of mind, you have been blessed. If God has enriched your life with joy, you have been blessed. If God has ever lifted you up when you were down, you have been blessed. If God has ever supplied your financial needs when you did not have a penny to pay your bills, then you have been blessed. And if God has ever answered any of your earnest prayers, then you have been blessed. And if you have been blessed, give of your best to the Master. Give him first place in your heart. Give him first place in your service. Consecrate every part of your life to him and give him the best that you have. 
Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.